Borak Thong Earthlets. My name is Conrad, alongside my friend Fox, and this is the 134th episode of Space Spinner 2000, a podcast where two Americans try to make sense of the UK's own galaxy's greatest comic, 2000 AD, one month of progs at a time. This episode, we're covering 2000 AD for July and August 1985, progs 427 to 430. Oh, man. So many. This time, Judge Anderson gets her man, Rogue gets Sandy, Ace Garp gets bad news, and Super Surf 7 gets underway. Oh, yeah. Uh, if you want to read along with us, you'll find the comics we're covering today in Judge Dread: The Complete Case Files 9, Slain Time Killer, Rogue Trooper Tales of New Earth 3, Strontium Dog, Search Destroy Agency Files 3, Anderson the Psy Files 1, and The Complete Ace Trucking 2. Oh, man. Exciting stuff. And speaking of full bore excitement, Fox. Let's oh, God, watch out. It's a spoopy ghost. Spoopy ghosts. It's through one Anderson side vision. You know, uh, when someone like, tells me, give him the old Mega City hello, mm-hmm. I really don't think that means, like, you know, six judges shooting you from different angles. I mean... Agree to disagree, I guess, because that seems pretty Mega City one to me. Um, <laughs> Scripter about John Wagner and Alan Grant is Grant Grover. Art about Cliff Robinson. Letting about Tom Frame. So we're at the Moz Grove and Thung Hypermart as the dark judges arrive with judges, regular judges waiting on the old Mega City. Hello. <laughs> so many holes get blown in these guys in this yeah. episode. A series of crotch shots destroy the Dark Judge's belt devices. And Jesus. Anderson dr- throws one of the exile devices at Judge's fire and mortis, despite I'm their... Afraid of no ghosts. Yeah, she overcomes their mental attacks, presumably based on pink slime in the uh, sewers of New York City. And, oh, um, my God. Yeah, it's a Ghostbusters 2 reference. Um, and sends those two Dark Judges to limbo. Whoa! Yeah, take that, uh, infinity power. God, I don't yeah. know. It's whatever. They're going to. They're going to come back, right? Like I'm just guessing at this at this mm, point. Yeah. Um. So the um the rest of the judges shoot Judge Death, and he takes just like a billion holes. Oh, it's really God. awesome. He just keeps coming. Yeah. His eventually, though, his body is destroyed, and his spirit escapes when Anderson hits him. Alt with another exile device, sending him away. It's real close, though, as the device takes off the heel of one of her boots as she jumps away. Rough. Got to have to get any boots. Yeah, it's tough. You know, she got these high-heeled boots. They're custom-made. Um, the it day is great. yeah, absolutely. The day is saved, and at the formal inquest, Chief Side Judge Omar clears Anderson of culpability. She must have been mind controlled by the Dark Judges, or she would have seen through their childish and ridiculous trick. <laughs> oh God! So it's kind of a burn in in the clearing. Um, <laughs> So Anderson is cleared of all blame and can return to work. Just stop calling the chief judge CJ. You got it, baby. That's <laughs> so, so wonderful. Yeah, real good. Um, that's the end of the Four Dark Judges story. Judge Anderson will return in Prague 468 in 1986. Uh, judge Death is gone forever and will return in early 1990. <laughs> oh, well... All right then. But I mean that's still a pretty long time from eight from like mid 85 to 1990. I mean in terms of comic yeah, it books really and stuff. It really feels like forever. 
If five years is forever, I mean. Uh, Damn. I don't know. It's okay. I think we all knew that he was coming back, so it's sort of fine. Yeah, of course. He looks awesome. Yeah. You can't just, like, take a character like that and be like, well, he's gone now. But he's going to be gone for a long time. I mean, we aren't going to see him. I I mean, I really, like, he'll be back once or twice as in, like, uh, like I think there's one there's one story about judges being in commercials. There's sort of, like, a fake judge death and stuff. And he comes <laughs> back once or twice sort of for joke purposes and stuff. But, I mean, we aren't going to okay. see him until, like, 2019. That feels like a long time. Or, sorry, oh, tw- sorry t- 2020, I mean. T- 2020. Um, so what? Yeah, because five years. You know, like, oh, yeah, oh, 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 okay, yeah, na- yeah, 1990 means, or, uh, yeah, ni- 1990 in the progs means 2020 for us in real life. So, I mean, you know, Jesus it's gonna be Christ. a it's gonna be a while, like, just to sort of like it's uh, not, it's, it's not like he'll be back like in two uh, weeks, you know what I mean? Oh Although, God. also check out the scale and scope of our uh, of this uh, particular comic book podcast, freak out. Oh. Oh. <laughs> hey, speaking of the endless depths of time, Fox. <laughs> Oh god. Thrill to Slain. Uh my favorite part of this uh chapter of Slain is all of the mostly not garbage that happens. Yeah, no, they've uh they've gotten to they've sort of got everything all set up, so now it's just uh uh or got fighting time. <laughs> oh yeah. Scrapped about patents, forearms, bikes the back spikes. What you gonna do? I thought it was three of each, wasn't it? Like the like the gold oh, dig and the triscale. Okay, anyhow, script robot Pat Mills, art art robot Glenn Fabry, lighting robot Steve Potter. Three days from last episode, Slain is in the arena to fight versus a Type Three battle orgot. The thing that make gives it its power is its weird chameleon eyes and its ball sack neck. Hey, listen, I I I wouldn't be here if not for the power of my ball sack neck. I just keep it. I just, <laughs> Keep it hidden in my lower in my lower body where it's more acceptable. Um, oh <laughs> yeah, cool looking crazy monster. Slain's been convinced to put on a hero harness, and he's got uh, like a laser sword and this three skull and this mace that's got three skulls instead of like mace balls on it. Oh. And uh, oh man, this the fighting is good. <laughs> Watching on is the ultimate evil, the Goldig, and his son Murden, aka uh, Merlin, of course. The Goldig hopes this will prove to Murden that humans have um, do not have a hope against the power of the Scythrons. Sure, all right. I like how he's on like a little padded like yeah. pillow. I mean. But, uh, He's not really, like, sitting his body on it, you know? Well, I mean, I gotta say, just the idea of being, like, a living triskel, you know, which is basically just, like, yeah, a three-arm swastika, basically, but, like, a living being version of that, makes it seem like it'd be hard to sit comfortably, you know? Like, yeah, just in general. One of your arm legs is gonna get real tired. Or yeah, tired. one way or another. And, like, it doesn't seem like this thing even has a butt, but I don't know. It's hard to tell. Um, <laughs> like, just for sitting purposes. But anyhow... It's- it's got a cloaca. Don't worry about it. Ooh, finally. Um, so, <laughs> so we learn about their weapons. The Orgot has a triple scallon, or a, yeah, slack hand, which is a three-bladed knife that can throw its knife blades like boomerangs. And the Orgot tracks the course of these boomerang of these blades with its chameleon eyes, like you said. Gross. Uh, Slain's got his laser sword and then his skull flail. If he hits you with the skulls, the skulls can like bite down and like trap you and stuff, which it, seems pretty ridiculous. It just seems, it, it's like this guy 
really wanted to give them just cool weapons to fight with. Yeah. Uh, and like, but the whole purpose of it is to like screw this guy over, but he's going to give him a fair fight because reason. Um, I mean, yeah, he wants to put on a good show. You know, he's evil. And, but part of that evil is that he's so focused on being cool. That it kind of cut leads to his downfall a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> a little bit. Um, so in the arena pits, the gladiators give slain 10 myons at most to defeat, um, to, to survive against the Orgot before he destroys him. But our new buddy, Magruth, thinks Slane just might win because he's real awesome. And we, oh, yeah. And he also mentions how Slane is now wearing a hero harness, which will help him channel the powerful earth energy that fills this world through his laser sword. You know, again, laser with a Y. They, the two, the, <laughs> Well, because like actual the actual word laser is like a uh, an acronym, you know. So sure. it's important to to differentiate that from lasers and ley lines, you know. And to... definitely not like you know a lightsaber. Yeah, exactly. You know, this is not <laughs> light being amplified or whatever. Um... It's the ley lines being amplified. It's it's spirit energy. Whoa. Yeah. Okay. Okay, Goku. Um, so. <laughs> <laughs> So they start fighting. It's good times. Um, Slain like uses his skull mace to climb on top of the Orgot. The beast tries to impale Slain on his back spikes. He's lasted twelve myons and seems to be holding his own. When the Goldig gives the Orgot a command to break Slain's hero harness, which is the only thing letting him keep the Earth power under control, the Orgot does so, and Slain starts to warp. Oh my god, he's getting real gross. I love it when it gets gross. Yeah, the Earth Snake, the spiral force of Earth energy, oh flows through Slain as well, Mogroth talks him through it. Uh, though Slain d- does grow big because of his damaged hero harness, he's able to channel the force of the Earth energy through his laser sword, sending powerful blasts of that energy at the Orgot. For the first time, Slain has been able to master his own warp spasm. Yeah, man, he totally tapped into his fourth chakra, which, you know, everybody knows is like the the Earth chakra, the libido, and uh, whatever that fucking snake thing that they talk about uh, slithered around his mandala or whatever. You know what I'm talking about. Hey, be be more respectful of these crazy, uh, ridiculous Earth things, Fox. Give me a break. Uh, I'm sorry. He's he's a transcendent warrior through Tantra. Oh, finally. That's what I'm interested in. Uh, he, any, he'll go on to Craigslist and offer free massages. Yeah, anyhow, one way or another, Slain uh, defeats Slash has sex with this monster, according to you. Um <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of penetration going on, let's be <laughs> Whoa! As he does, as the Orgot is defeated, Slain holds aloft the three fingers of the Druids, the symbol of the race of universal power. power. I really like this because in England, you know, you do, you do the backwards peace sign, and it's like uh, it's like an insult. It's like a middle finger, like, like, like giving people the V. And mm. this feels like, uh, God, what was that old um, Dane Cook Read thing? Between the lines. Yeah, ab- ab- about the super finger. But this is like the V, but it's got a third one. Like, it's even worse, you know? G- oh, yeah. Give you that W. Um, <laughs> so the the, uh, the gladiators chant his name, as gladiators are wont to do. And the Goldig orders his Scytherons to kill Slain. But it's too late, because he's, you know, one with the Earth power. And he starts blasting them as well. Oh, it's a slave revolt. It's real cool. 
Um, Dude. Uh, I guess just, like, let me smash open this cage and give you a giant laser cage. <laughs> yeah. There's a fight going on. It's not going great. Therefore, Murden has to step in to take out the guards. But, of course... Because uh, of this, it causes uh, an imbalance in the cosmic whatevers, and thus the Goldig <laughs> is able to use his own powers to summon forth Slain's new nemesis, Elfric! Whoa! <laughs> Showdown time part two! Or part three, I maybe? Like he gets away by like just jumping on a cable that's up there and hanging from it. Yeah, good times. You know, he's got a lot of dexterity, this three-armed dude. Anyhow... Meatball and a rope. Yeah. Elfric returns and it's fight time. Slain will return in Prague 431. So first thing next episode. Okay, time cool. for some craziness. Yeah, only two Slains this week. I feel like mm. this is part of the deadline problems with, with Glenn Fabry they've been having. Um, hopefully it will be resolved soon. And um, I'm pretty excited for the upcoming uh, big fight. Should be good, yeah, man. I want to. I want to see what happens. They're taunting me with all of this like sweet battling and almost no uh, weird maybe maybe jumbo jumbo jumbo. Yeah, I mean, there's a fair amount of like you know. I mean, mumbo yes, jumbo no. There's a lot going on, but I feel like we're past the point where we're constantly having to explain it. Now it's just sort of like, all right, that that's a given. I'm fine. Like there's bad. There's good guys. There's bad guys. I just want to see the good guys. Yeah. Beat the bad Mash guys the, with, with magical powers. Together. That's right. Please. Yeah. But uh, speaking of uh, slightly ambiguous characters in terms of who's the good guy and who's the bad guy, it's <laughs> Thrill 3, Judge Dredd. Oh, man. Oh, man. Yeah. Scripter about John Wagner and Alan Grant is Grant Grover. Art about Cam Kennedy. Lettering about Tom Frame. Super Surf 7 is go, go, go. Oh, man. It's so good, good, good. Yeah, man, this, uh, the opening splash page of Prog 427, um, the, the start of the Super Surf, is yes. bar none my favorite, like, 2080 image, right? I mean, like, 100%. Like, the, the Mega City Book Club has that, uh, Grail page game where they, mm -hmm. you know, say, like, what's a piece of art that you'd love, that, 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 that you'd like to have the most? And this picture of the start of the Cyber, of the Super Surf 7 is, is my choice for all of 2080. It's my favorite thing. Um, Fuck yeah, man! Got everybody on it, really. It's got all these, uh, yeah, all awesome. these surfers going out. A great Cam Kennedy cityscape. It looks so great. Um, I really love it. Actually, like apparently, it has been for sale, and some and somebody owns it. But you know, Ooh. so that's one of those like, um, like if I won the lottery, like thing one would be to buy a complete physical like set of physical copies of 2000 AD. Thing two would be to try to like get get the the guy who owns this art to part with it so i could have it you know uh, oh fuck yeah <laughs> and yeah good to have That's that awesome good to have that listed out i suppose <laughs> thing three give fox like a hundred grand you'll spend it all right yeah well no i mean i mean think thing three is basically just establishing a uh, a recording studio and getting you and me to both live at it so we can just have this show be really well done for once you know uh, like i definitely get, get someone else to do like the the editing and shit oh my god yeah um, yeah <laughs> Like it's just that's going to take some time to set up, so, so I, I got to make some initial purchases first, and then I can get down oh, to the course. business of well, making. You gotta, yeah, you gotta get the important shit out of the way. Right? Well, like you know, I mean, that's like like a lot of like at least one of those is just pressing a button on eBay and stuff, as opposed to like <laughs> you know 
get my getting every, everybody's shit together for this thing. But anyhow, oh man, so great. We flash back to the start of the race as the assembled contestants have the route explained to them. It seems extremely dangerous, ending in taking the Manfred Fox Tunnel against traffic. Oof. Chopper prepares himself mentally. The judges are already after him. He'll be arrested no matter what. So why not leave this Midnight Surfer identity behind and be Chopper once more? Uh, he, I love how he uh, he's he's like basically right next to the reigning world champion Yakamoto, and they just have this friendly rivalry moment that ends with a fist bump. Yeah, they're just friendly. I mean. It's it, it's really one of these things where you know there's so much danger on the course that there's no point in be in having animosity towards your fellow surfers, you know? Yeah. Like it's just sort of love of a game because they just want to get out there anyhow. Anyhow, Fox, three, two, one, surfs up. Oh fuck yeah! Everyone jumps off and it looks great. Awesome. Now in my head, I imagine it's like uh, it's like a uh, cowboy bebop. You know, three, oh, two, dude. one, surfs up. <laughs> Doing sweet flips and shit. Yeah, fucking tank playing real loud, going yeah. real crazy. Um, a cloud of surfers ride off for glory. They pull ninety degree turns at the wall of death and shoot through the okay figure fingers of this giant statue of the Okadoki man. At least three of at least three surfers have already bit it and died as the uh, judges are on the scene. Bring them down. Shoot to kill. Yeah, Dred's just like immediately like, we are not going to tolerate this. Murder all of them. Holy yeah, Dredd is not having this, this, the, the super surf happen in his town. So surfers are falling, are falling everywhere as the judges open fire. At least one is taken alive, and a few truth drugs later, that they'll they'll be able to learn the the rest of the route. Meanwhile, people around the city are cheering the surfer. The surfers on, especially huh? Chopper. They're getting real into him. Yeah, man, he's sharing the lead with Yogi and this guy named Cuba as they approach the falls. Which seems like it's a bunch of like sheets of falling water, basically, all mm. surrounded by these like spiky, like I don't know, like 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 metal oh. things with thorns on them, basically. That's right. Good vibes impales his taint on one of them. Yeah, Whoa. yeah. Uh, previous the like a f- original Super Surf champion Dak Good Vibes from Me- Mega City Two immediately pa- uh, impales himself on the spikes. I guess to get through this water successfully, you have to be going at least 120 miles an hour to blast through them. Which is pretty awesome, uh, pretty fast. I, or maybe it's 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 kilometers. Which it's is like km per hour. No, no, it's less, but it's still terrifyingly fast. Um, but anyhow, uh, they it's it, it it's getting real now as we see surfers just like uh, crashing into things and cars and stuff. Eventually, they make it to the crushers, a ridiculous series of massive car crushing devices. Oh, God. <laughs> Like comical car crushing device. Yeah, it's literally it's literally like that part in a in, in Galaxy Quest where it's like oh, God. those smashing machines in Sigourney We was like, why is this in a spaceship? Because <laughs> <laughs> it was from the TV show. Yeah, but so um, yeah, y- you can you you can um 
It's like a three-second window to get through these crushers. Yogi makes it through. Chopper holds back, but a cowboy hat surfer Johnny tries to risk it and gets crushed. Oh, it's awesome. Oh, man. Poor Johnny. <laughs> yeah, Chopper gets the next round, but now he's ten, he's 10 seconds behind Yogi as they enter the final phase of the race, which is basically a free-range scramble, take whatever route you want to get to the Manfred uh, Fox Tunnel. Which hey, Dreadnought hey, This yeah. is his city, you know. Totally. He knows the ins and outs, but Dread knows where the where the race is gonna end too, so Chopper will have to surf like never before as all units converge on the Manfred Fox tunnel. God that hard cut to a scene of just people getting shot in the sky. <laughs> and it's real crazy because once they're shot, they, when they fall off their boards, um, oh, the board just stops. So it, it's just this, like, yeah, it becomes a surfboard just hanging in midair, just hovering in midair with, like, a dead or dying body attached to it by, like, the wrist cable, by the, uh, by, by the ankle cable, you know? Uh, uh. It's real rough, man. The Super Surf nears its conclusion as these surfers have to fly through a hail of withering fire from the judges. Up ahead, Chopper needs to gain time on Yogi, so he cuts through a crowded shopping mall and and manages to approach the Manfred Fox Tunnel just as Yogi arrives as well. The two hit the tunnel as Judge Flack waits at the exit. They shoot in, dodging traffic. Other surfers are taken down by the judges with varying degrees of of lethality. It's just the two leaders left in the race now Um, oh my god they're going through dodging uh cars they come through at incredible speeds um eventually though yogi catches the rearview mirror of a truck and goes down in the middle of the tunnel not yogi no he's about to be run over when chopper turns back and grabs the champion and goes flying out the two of them sailing out the other side of the tunnel at terrifying speeds they're through Oh my god, he saved his life. I mean, for a little bit, unfortunately. Even the judges have to compliment Chopper's surfing, and Yogi dies in Chopper's arm as Dredd approaches the new world champion to arrest him. Oh my god, this is another one of my favorite just 2080 images here, this final page. As Dredd takes Chopper away as thousands of assembled mega citizens, like in person and on TV screens, chant his name as the su- as the Super Surf Champion Chopper becomes a legend. Oh, it's so Holy great! You fuck. just you just see him walking like def- walking defiantly be- behind beside Dredd as all the page fills with word bubbles, just chanting Chopper over and over again. Oh, it's, it's so fucking, awesome! It's- it's awesome and harrowing. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it's definitely like rough, but um, just you know, it's a very, it's a, it's kind of a bittersweet ending. But I think it's mm-hmm. a really amazing ending of just this, um, you know, Chopper persevering, and you know, even when he was a scrawler, we sort of hurt, we we learned about his desire to, um, you know, become more than just another average Joe in Mega City One, and this really seems like exactly. it's cementing his legend as this, uh, as the Midnight surfer the guy who won super surf seven and stuff oh it's so good awesome absolutely uh chopper is going to jail he'll return in oz the next judge dread mega epic in fall of 1987 awesome yeah pretty pretty good that's when the that's when the next super or that's when another super surf is and chopper just might be involved in that one as well oh yeah in uh in Mega in uh, Judge Dredd's Australia, which is a whole a whole thing in and of itself. <laughs> uh, 
Alright. Yeah, we'll see. Anyhow, new story time, Fox. Nosferatu. Write his name in blood! Oh, this um, one's real fucking weird. Yeah, do it. totally. A, a body has been found, just skin and bones. All of his insights have been melted. Whoa. Uh, super gross. Yes. It's like he's been digested from the inside out. Yeah, that's the worst way to be digested. Uh, oh, Dread follows the, the corpse to the, med, to, to the med lab, where they find puncture wounds and a powerful proto-enzyme in his body, like he'd been eaten by a spider. That's sort of, you know dissolves your guts and then just kind of drinks it out of you it'd have to be a big one <laughs> anyhow uh flash flashback to maybe a week ago when a stranger arrives in mega city one passing through customs and renting a room in sector 77 in his room this man heard uh can finally relax and reveal himself as nosferatu write his name in blood the evil one a massive oh. man-sized spider Blah, blah, spider yeah, gross. Super gross. He must feed. After trying in vain to find a victim, he finally finds a bum he can lure into his room, where he promptly bites and eats his liquefied insides over the course of several days. Oh God, it's real gross. And then just like takes the body, puts it into a briefcase, throws it outside, and then does a weird hailing to the god Ragnos. Yeah, it's real cool. Um, yeah, ne- next time I just read, it's behind the green door. And I really love, like, the the, uh, the Nosferatu's... Write his name in blood! ...narration here. Mm-hmm. Um, they do a really good job of this. I mean, I think it's still third person, but it's basically from Nosferatu's... Write his name in blood! Um, per- perception. And the writing really does do a good job of putting you in the mind of this killer spider alien. Um, you know, just how he has inhuman drives. He's got his own um, alien religion. He's, you know, he yeah. finds Mega City 1 to be very strange and confusing, but also like a fertile hunting ground. And it just kind of puts you in hi- in the mind of this inhuman killer that I think is a very is a very interesting way to do this kind of story. And I really like Absolutely. It was super gross. Well, uh, yeah. I like his weird bug butt. Also, it's Ron Smith doing the art for this one. And, you know, he's just so good at drawing things that are ugly <laughs> and gross. And, like, just the these dark sides of Mega City 1 and stuff like that. The way he draws the, uh, the, the, the liquefied corpse is really good. The way he... All the detail he puts on Nosferatu. Write his name in blood! He was really good. It's all this mm. awesome stuff. Oh, man. His metamorphosis was my favorite. It's like super gross watching him be half human, half spider gross. Definitely. It's the second grossest metamorphosis in this episode of Space <laughs> Spinner 2000. Wow. I mean, you Still know. I agree. Yeah, you know it's true. <laughs> oh, it's so fucking true. Absolutely. Yeah, but it's cool with this Spider-Man. He, you know, he's got this weird alien religion. He's a slave to his impulses. And speaking of slaves, woo. It's, Ooh. Thrill for Strontium Dog. <sighs> the journey for this child and husband combo continue. I love this. Yeah, this is a real fun one. Uh, script robot Alan Grant and John Wagner is Alan Grant. Art robot Carl Sascara. Lettering robot Gordon Robson is Kid Robson and Richard Starkings. Sweet. Yeah, so Johnny and Wolf are have followed the trail of these slavers of drool to the planet Charn. After some brief questioning, Johnny gets rough and smacks a slave trader around. Then asks, yes. 
backhands him, man. It's great. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, asks about a recent shipment of humans, and it seems like most of them went to a nearby flesh farm after some hammer-based questioning where Wolf like hits the dude on the on the head with with a with a smallish hammer twice and then threatens him with the happy stick. Um the slave trader uh, gives them the location of the of the farm and they go to uh, free them. They take the slaver's car and when they get there, um, Wolf gags him with the Sternhammer special, which is a sock in the mouth. Last scene oh. being done to Hitler himself. <laughs> <laughs> Puts you on par with that guy, man. Uh, yeah, Dude, yeah. it's humans. I mean, you know, I mean... <sighs> Well, no, because I was going to sort of, you know, be be devil's advocate and say, like, well, we eat cows, blah, blah, blah. But we we did learn that um, eating humans and trading humans for food is explicitly illegal on this planet. So this guy is, being, is, a, is being a bad guy, even in the view of his own society. Um, anyhow... <laughs> The uh the the slaver the uh flesh farm that where, where these slavers are is pretty well defended. It's got some like barbed wire, uh, blattening gun turrets and stuff. But they got a job to do, and the assault is on. Johnny shoots down the door and hits the tower with the number four cartridge. For damn. Yeah. With the end of uh, Judge Anderson in Prague 428, Strong Team Dog moves to the front of the Prague, which is always yeah. nice. That's sort of you know it's a uh, it's default spot. Um, and the we see Johnny and Wolf go to free the human slaves after they take out the slavers pretty easily. These Holy humans are being force-fed ahead of their slaughter for alien food. The Keeble family Ooh. isn't here because they were taken to the planet uh, Jerbu's. Still, while they're here, we might as well free these slaves. I even, mean, you know. Even the ones who've been force-fed so that they become so fat that they... And, and so, like, kept in one place, like in veal lockers, that their muscles have atrophied. Oh. Um, it's a long walk back to the spaceport, and then Johnny forces the slaver to return all these guys to their home planets. Yeah, hello. Which is decent. is a, it is a good job. I mean, you know, I appreciate the uh, the pro human sentiment here. Anyhow, <laughs> it's time to head to Jerboos, where I guess uh, the thing that you do is build giant heads. Yeah, in Jer- yeah, they in in, in Jerbu's uh, slaves build giant head monuments to their kings, which is sort of as you do when you're king. Like I'd certainly mm-hmm. you know, again, once I once I get that uh that uh, lottery money and get my comics and my piece of art and get the studio built, <laughs> after that it's just gonna be giant Conrad heads, you know. Um, <laughs> everywhere. Everywhere. Um anyhow uh at Unlike other um, regimes building giant heads, though, here the slaves are at least aliens. They can feel uh, decent about it. Um, Oh, God. The current king, Larry the Certifiable, apparently one Larry from a long line of Larrys, is stoked that so far 597 slaves have died building his monument. And just to have the most slaves ever dead, he's going to kill them all, all 10,000 of them, once it's done. And, yeah, uh, beating out Larry the Psychotic. Yeah. I don't know if you noticed it, Fox, but to me, these Jerboos look a lot like sort of overweight Thargs. Like, yeah, a little bit. Uh, I was going to say they kind of look like um, those dog people from Legend of Zelda, like their, mm. their previous older versions of them. But yeah, now that you mention it, they, they look like, like Thargs. It, people. it might just be the Mohawk, but they have just, yeah, kind of a Quaxan kind of, kind of look to them. Mm-hmm. Um, Anyhow, the news that all the slaves will be killed saddens the young Keeble daughter, who we saw last time, is now the personal whipping slave of Princess oh. Polyp, of uh, you yes. know Larry's daughter. 
What a great name for a child. Seems right, just from how evil these yeah. guys are. Uh, the rest of the Keeble family is working on the monument. They see the beating from the princess and get angry and are uh, tied up and whipped for their trouble. Oh, man. They're, they're basically like, we're going to fillet you. For yeah. It's bad times. In the distance, Johnny and Wolf look on. They'll make their move at dark. And what a move and, it's going to be. Yeah. And at dark, the dogs sneak in, taking out guards as they go. They learn that the keebles are tied up in the scaffolding on the monument high above the camp. That means it's diversion time. So Johnny tosses over the keys and the slaves start revolting. Uh, they were revolting yeah. in the first place. Ah! Uh, <laughs> uh, ready, big fella? As dare cucumber. Let's take them. Oh, em. hell yeah. Let's <laughs> destroy the shit out of these slave people. Absolutely. The dogs attack the, sh- attack the head, dealing with like slavers' whips and other cool weapons as these slave revolts spreads. Johnny arrives and frees the Keebles, and they're in a pretty bad way, but still alive. Luckily, instead of climbing down the scaffolding, there's a passageway in the eye of the head that leads down to the ground. So Johnny and Wolf knock over the scaffolding behind them and help the, and to help the slaves as they're revolting, Johnny shoots the head with a number four cartridge, destroying it. Yeah. Oh, hell yeah. Which, uh, as you know, um, once you destroy the target monument... There's a minus 50 to uh, desire to uh, combat revolting slaves. Yeah, absolutely. This completely breaks the morale of the slavers and the, and the, uh, or of the, of the Jeroboos and the slaves are triumphant. Yeah, again, oh, yeah. got to set your modifiers. You know, you got to time your destruction <laughs> of these things right so that they have the maximum effect. <laughs> the, so great. Yeah, the dogs go to leave, but they still have to save Midge, the Keeble daughter from the princess. So let's go have a personal word. With King Larry. Next time, Malice in the Palace. Yeah. I appreciate that rhyme. <laughs> oh, man. Good, good combat here. Just good blowing stuff up. Freeing <sighs> slaves. It's what you want. I love Strontium Dog. Just like, as a as a comic, it never stops missing a beat. It just no. keeps going, man. I'm, I'm along for this ride. Yeah, absolutely. Just the way that they keep blowing stuff up and just Johnny's single-minded pursuit of freeing this family is really great and just like there i love how he just stumbles across uh the opportunity to be a great guy during it and he's just like yeah of course we're just gonna like free these guys free these guys kill some slaver dudes it's gonna be great it's not I my mean, main mission but i love these side quests yeah i mean i i just like how it's sort of part of his side thing like he's not actually particular like you know he doesn't really like the slavery but he's not really like here to stop it but if he can't stop it while he's here yeah why not i'll, I'll do it i guess uh, yeah this slave revolt works to my benefit you know so, so why not Exactly. Yeah, and speaking of things that are revolting, Fox, it oh. non-thrills, covers, and nerve centers. That's the, they aren't that bad, actually. I'm just being a No, jerk. no, no. no. <laughs> uh, Prague 427, justice shall be done. The yeah, spoopy ghost. Spoopy forever. The ghost of death menaces Anderson. This Robin Smith cover in the nerve center. Tharg, the mighty one. Oh, he's like a big yeah. number one. Yeah. Uh, he welcomes us and teases the ace trucking return next Prague. Letters include a teacher comparing Biddenface to Hannibal from uh, of a uh, Carthage fame. 
Okay. A reader who's there's a reader who's read since Prague 400. Question about War Marshal Kazan and notes that mong that a mongrel type character appears in the Killing video game, which sounds interesting. Huh. Okay. Yeah. Prague 428. Ground those skyhogs. Cam Kennedy oh, yeah. with the super surf as the surfers enter or clear the Okidoki man. Oh yeah. In the nerve center, GB Tharg is still hunting the droid that stole the reader the reader rewards from Prague 420 or 425 and announces yeah. the new Ace Trucking story. There's a picture of Judge Ucko and letters talking about making your own badges and how to use a photocopier to make 2080 posters. <laughs> All right. Yeah, it's pretty decent. Good stuff. Uh, badges are what they call buttons in England, by the way, just if yes. you're sort of thinking of different things, just for, you know, if you're, if you're trying to do these translations here. Um, a reader begs for more thrill power in Central Europe, and there's like a moderate thrill-based limerick. Uh, Mid-prog, there's a Brian Talbot pinup of dread in case of emergency. Break glass. It's awesome. And I love dread's uh, ultra... Like, the, the art's good, but dread's, dread's frown is my favorite. It's basically just a horseshoe, like, in terms of, like, <laughs> how downturned his mouth is. It's amazing. I will say, he's definitely gotten more frownier and more chinny over the years. Oh, yeah. I mean, we I was just talking about... We just did... I. I just um, last episode was the Judge Dread um, annual for this year, mm-hmm. and had uh, it, it, it had Dread stories from like Prague Three and like Prague oh, Seven God. and stuff. Yeah, that and was just, a different time. Yeah, the juxtaposition of Dread from that era versus even this 1985 Dread is massive. And when you think of it like to modern Dread, it's like you know you could fit like three launch dreads inside a modern dread basically Jeez. <laughs> hey Fo- prox fox it's prog 429 and i have a question for you yes do you like rogue playing games how about some dragons in dungeons whoa uh, yeah i get that i get it yeah it's it's rogue trooper Jose Ortiz with a very punny cover in the nerve center. Tharg the L, which is a you know uh, like a uh, an an Elfric kind of Tharg with the big ears and stuff or weird ears, I guess. Um, yeah. Has the results of the 1985 Eagle Awards, which has Torquemada as favorite villain and Dr. and Quinch get yeah. drafted as favorite story. Um, Hell yeah! I feel like Dr. and Quinch go to Hollywood as the superior Dr. and Quinch story oh, personally. Easily. Easily. Um, yeah, like mind the oranges indeed, you know? Um, yeah. It's interesting that a lot of this stuff is not listed on the Wikipedia page, which seems odd, but there's also just not a lot of en- of information for the results of the 85 Eagle- Eagles um, on the Eagle Wikipedia page. Huh. There's a picture of rock and roll trooper with double Dude, guitars. Okay. When you have a double neck guitar, it's uh, pretty fucking awesome. <laughs> yeah, buddy. <laughs> um. There's also letters about a snail monster and ace trucking, a reader having trouble finding comics, another getting progs with missing staples, compliments for various Tharg picks, um, which I guess someone complained about in 422. Like in Prog mm. 422, someone said, like, oh, like Tharg, you're so mighty and dignified. It's not cool that people have all these pun pictures of you sort of making you look bad. And that's when saying, look, nah, man, Tharg's a good guy. And these pictures sort of depict him in his good guyness, I guess. Okay. <laughs> Uh, Prague 430, you'll never warp alone as the crew so of Ace weird. Trucking are squeezed down by warp forces in a very fun Belladonnelli cover. I, I love this one. It really, um, yes. it really like, like grabs my attention, I guess. 
Makes everybody look kind of like a Muppet. It's true, yeah. And the nerve center, Thargus, the baboon man bounty hunter, plugs the the Nemesis preview that we'll get to soon. There's letters about readers wanting more progs. And the eternal debate about the pronunciation of slain. Basically, the official answer is, if you're English, it's just slain. And if you're a Celt, then you already know how to pronounce it, so stop being a jerk. Uh, (laughs) All right. Also, a letter requesting issue numbers for all hell on the Dixie front. And then this prog ends with a Kev O'Neill drawing of terrifying murder cloud version of Torquemada celebrating his, e- his eagle win for favorite villain. And he's just got a lot of mouths and exposed chest cavities full of tongues and hearts That's and stuff. Awesome. Yeah, he's, gro- he's dripping and real gross. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, and speaking of, um, you know, exciting monsters from beyond the stars, one that I use, a transition I use a lot, it's Thrill 5 Ace Trucking Co. So, yeah, Ace Trucking is back, and he's getting some bad news. The, uh, the Doc Doxy at the Beehive K Truck Depot is giving Ace a checkup, and this guy is basically Dr. Zoidberg and Leela from Futurama, so <laughs> smashed in one, if you ask me. He's got that sort of, uh, like, tentacle mouth and one eye, essentially. It's real gross. Yeah, and he says, Ace has Wuzzle's disease, a buildup of poisons that will kill him painlessly in five days. God, God, it's real not good. That's like not a lot of time. Yeah, but I mean, that's not a lot of time, you know? Exactly. Understandably depressed, Ace doesn't even react when he's attacked by evil blood, including taking several chops to the point he just kind of keeps walking around mopily. Also, just want to throw out there that his... um his tattoo on his chest while mm-hmm. he's descending down from the rafters is smoking an opium pipe. That's excellent. I really liked when Ace gets the news how his uh, scarf like grabs his head like shockedly. That's great scarf yeah. scarf drawing. Um, <laughs> anyhow, Ace explains the situation and Blood promises Ace as slow a death as possible so he won't kill him right now. Instead, he'll stick around and see it all happen. Yeah. Hey, why not? I'll get I'll get what I want. Uh, and just get to watch you die miserably. I love how much of a death bro evil blood becomes in the course of this yeah. story. <laughs> they really seem to kind of bro out. I mean, he does offer to kill him a few times. Yeah, I mean, they're definitely, it's definitely to an end, but I love, like, they actually become kind of friends in the course of this story. Um, Dude. Ace breaks the news um, at the ghost, and Blood manages to convince Ace to go to the Lugsters Union and smack some Mac. Dude, that's what I'm talking about. I Why really, not? I feel like, Fox, the next time we're together and we go drinking, we got to say that we're going to smack some Mac. I need that so much. I was I, like, dude, I'm down on some Mac Mac chin. The Mac chin. Yeah, I was like looking up like what kind of drink could be Mac Mac if you were going to like make a mixed drink for it or something. Um, yeah. I think the closest I, th- I came that. The, the the one I saw that really spoke to me from this list of the most alcoholic bev- uh, uh, mixed drinks was oh my god this one like um I forget what it's called now but it's basically an old fashioned but before you 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 drink it you uh you coat the glass in absinthe so it's oh my like, god it's like absinthe with like an, like just sort of like two like a uh, two kinds Ooh. of booze in it. Like, oh, that feels right. You know what I mean? Just for for, for crazy Mac Mac days. Um, I've, I've had something similar to this. Uh, oof, <laughs> it's good, but uh, damn, yeah, you're take, getting knocked on your ass. About. Yeah, take you out. Um, 
Jeez. So in at the, at the Lugsters Union, they bump into Yellow Line Chief Jago Kane, who insults Ace while offering to buy his rig. As usual, the boys yeah, start drinking. Ah, total total jerk. Only human in this strip. Also a jerk. The boys drink. Ace comes to a conclusion. He's going to do one final scheme to destroy the business of Jago Kane. Then he's going to bite off his nose. Fuck yeah. <laughs> I love that. Um, so GBH plays some kind of Mac Mac bagpipe as Ace schemes. <laughs> so. he, uh, Ace marches up to Jago and makes his play just a straight up race. Whoever can make a uh, poop poopy doo run the fastest wins. Winner takes all. Um, this yeah. is, of course, a ridiculous offer, and Jago says no, but Ace sweetens it because he'll do the run twice, and Jago only has to do it once. They shake on it, and the mustache teddy bear man, who's a barman of the uh, Luxor's Union, agrees to officiate okay, the thing. <laughs> it's a crazy, this is a cool alien. I mean, you know, Ace trucking is like 80%. Is it? 80% one and then 20% of another thing, just the two things Ace trucking is built on. <laughs> It's 80% giving Massimo Bello Dinelli a chance to draw crazy-ass aliens. Fuck yeah. 20% um, Wagner and Grant's love of, like, CB radio talk. Like, those two things are sort of... It's real good. (laughs) That's the math that created Ace Trucking, essentially. (laughs) It's great. Like, I feel like he was just doodling aliens sometime, and they're like, all right, we're use these yeah and they'd already done it i mean you know they'd already done like that one guy in that strong team dog story that that talked like a cb radio guy mm. they wrote a story for the doctor who comic book where somebody did that oh. like they just do it a lot um weird yeah it's an odd time in british comics as always <laughs> uh, the crew or yeah so everything's getting started the crew is skeptical about this whole plan especially when ace reveals that he actually doesn't have any like special plan or scheme to win <laughs> like which is is rough um still it's uh you know man it's just a crazy way to go out when you're dying no he he in the very at all you know the yeah, uh, exactly he's gonna try and do this like on the straight and narrow yeah the crew preps for the race and again it's really great how evil blood is so supportive of ace and this ridiculous dying wish <laughs> With the engines all fixed and the cargo tubes clean, it's time for the race. Let's get going. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. So the race starts. Ace hits the warp boosters streaking ahead. But Jago isn't really worried about this because there's no way Ace can do two trips in, in that amount of time. In the ship, everybody is compressed down like putty under the massive, like, 1,000G G-forces of the booster engines until the ghost <sighs> enters the safety of warp, of warp space. But, Which, like, right. yeah, despite this awesome speed, the crew still isn't impressed because they've saved, like, a couple hours, but not nearly enough to beat uh, Jago Kane. Mm. In the crew cabin, Evil Blood is, is disappointed that the disease isn't causing any pain or discomfort to Ace <laughs> and just offers to torture him just a little bit before he dies, just to kind of give him something to think about, basically. But yeah. Ace is cool. It's not necessary. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, man. I'm just going to die. It's like, it's fine. You sure I can't just, like, cut off your leg or something? Like, nah, I'm good. 
but he's real yeah. agreeable about it too. He's not even like, no, you can't cut off my leg. It's just like, like he's, it's like he's been asked if he wants a sandwich or something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which I imagine just like sweetens the the potential for pain a little less for him. Yeah, the ghost drops out of warp and approaches an asteroid belt. Uh, Jago's going to go around it, so cutting through it should earn them some more time. H, hey, sure, why not? Yeah, Ace approaches the belt at speed, blasting around and through the asteroids. They. Um, eight uh, feet goes to hide an event because Ace will kill them all. Definite. No, he he. Duh. It's real rough. Yeah. Next time, Ace strikes a bloody bargain. Ooh. Yeah. Oh man, fun stuff here. I just love um, Ace coming back. This like fact that he's dying is really ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> It's real goofy. Or at and, least it opens up for some weird shenanigans. Yeah, and just like the idea of, uh, okay, like I'm going to die one big final race to settle the score, then I'm going to bite off that guy's nose. I mean, just the way that he the way that he says that, like I almost lost it during this recording, and it's just really funny. <laughs> like, I don't Psych. know. Damn. I mean, he does have a big honker. Yeah, and he's an, a- and he's an alien. He's got a different standard for that kind of thing, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, you know, we've had a lot of stuff going on in this episode, Fox. We had, like, some spider dudes. We had, like, some death dudes. So let's just get yeah. some more alien, some more animal dudes in the course of Thrill 6, Rogue Trooper. Two-thirds camel, one-third human. <laughs> I just, I know I say that centaur thing a lot, and I feel like people are not really pleased by the fact that I think it's so I hilarious. But I fucking find it hilarious because that's fucking true and it's yeah. awkward. But but to me, it really, um, it's really funny. Like I don't know, I just really, um, I, it really like, tickles my funny bone. <laughs> it's a whole human torso and yeah, arms and head. Definitely. Yeah. Sorry. So script about Jerry Finley Day, art about Jose Ortiz, letting about Tony Jacob. Uh, Rogue Trooper skips Prague four twenty seven. We go right to the action in 428. Rogue is on the hunt for the antigen, finds himself in a desert area full of natural pyramids. He thinks he's being watched. Ugh. And the Nort commanders, the uh, the, rat, the bat and rhino versions, alert the local Nort troops, the drums, a race of dope-ass camel centaurs. As you <laughs> mentioned, half man, two-thirds camel. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's so funny. I don't know. Like, because like a werewolf is like half man, half wolf, you know? And like, and like a satyr is like half man, half goat. It's that two thirds that you aren't expecting, you know? <laughs> exactly. Because like, I don't want to get into There's so much, could, there's so much man on this camel. I mean, because it, it'd be like if like Bojack Horseman had like horse hooves as well as like a horse head. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, oh, this is weird that there's a human middle in this, but all right. Yeah, like there's. Uh... I don't. I could. I could talk for hours just describing why centaurs are ridiculous. Um, They're real weird. I mean, you know, they came from sort of um, like ancient peoples, not knowing what the hell horses were in the first place, and just a bunch of guys riding really fast, like killing everybody they ever knew. And so it sort of makes sense how they'd sort of put them together and stuff. But it's still, um, you know, it's ridiculous. Ah, centaurs. Yeah. Anyway. Oh. <laughs> A uh, a patrol of them picks up Rogue and it's desert fighting time. He shoots down most of them, but when Gunner jams from the sand, he's forced to take out the final one by using his rifle like a club. Oh yeah. Oh man. Awesome. Yeah. And and an alarm goes off and Rogue's in trouble. He's gotta hide, which means it's time to dig a hole, of course, the old GI trick. Oh but- god. 
I like how they at least call it out as the old GI trick um, yes. that the chips do. Like they're at least acknowledging that that rogue digs holes a lot. Um, mm-hmm. But when he does, a bunch of scaly lizard men emerge from the sand and he gets bit. And oh, man. And they seem pretty stoked about that. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Before he can fight back, he starts to fall unconscious. And as he does, the lizard dudes stand over him triumphant. They're like high fiving like crazy. It's like, great work, guys. We bit that guy. Settled the score. Rogue's unconscious as a raiding party of Drom's approach. But, sorry. But as they do, the man lizards run and Rogue awakens, somehow feeling stronger than ever. Weird, right? Yeah. Rogue hides in a nearby cave in one of the pyramids, sealing the entrance behind him. The Drom's have lost Rogue. Um... And the Nort leaders have decided to find the location of the antigen eggs to, like, basically head Rogue off at the pass from this stuff. But Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but when they do, they're contacted by Horse Tide Command, who appears to be some kind of ape man, who wants to know what the deal is, and is angered to know that no one's been telling them that literal Rogue Trooper's been wandering the planet. And just, like, you don't send Seems that up to higher command? Intel, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Rogue finds the lizard slash dragon men and starts talking as Bagman translates. These dragoids are actually former uh, Souther troops. They've been fighting the drums for years until the Southers deployed row rats to kill their females and steal their eggs. Man, it's a good thing he didn't just immediately start shooting them. And also, it was totally helpful that I guess their poison makes them good. And then that also they knew that. Yeah, something. Um, anyhow, could these eggs that were stolen be the ones with the antigen? If so, we got to get them back, buddy. Yeah, but, probably are. Yeah, seems likely. Meanwhile, the Norts are flying in with more of those row rats. And with them, death for Rogue and the Dragoids. All right, so I guess let's fight some robotic rats. That's right. The roof of the Dragoid base collapses. It's the row rats, the worst kind of stainless steel rat, for sure. These guys are... <laughs> Neither light nor breezy, and none of them look like James Coburn. It's ridiculous. No. Uh, the Drums also rally to attack Rogue, and even as Rogue fights these two enemies, that Man-Bat leader guy swoops in to add fuel to the fire in the form of a stun sphere. Okay. We just call those grenades where I'm from. I mean, I guess it just knocks him out instead of exploding him. But, and I mean, it makes a fadoom. That's fair. Absolutely. I don't know how. I don't know how <laughs> modern weaponry works, man. It's the future. Um, they're That's all fair. they're all knocked out, and Rogue wakes up to find himself strapped to the ground at a spaceport. From there, I guess that just works. You know, they knocked him out, so they captured him, and then just you know decided to do some supervillain stuff here. Um, yeah. The uh, from here, he can see the eggs of the dragoids. The ant and learns that the antigen can save Rogue, yes, but it can also be used to immunize the beings of Horst to make them immune to the to like warp sickness, I guess. Sure. Like I didn't know this is a problem in the first place, but I guess. I guess it is. Yeah. Um. But so now the animal men forces of Horst will um head out and help the Norts win the war with a direct attack on Millicom. Okay. Um, yeah, the the uh, troop ships are, uh, are are landing now, and Rogue is staked down where the engines of a coming North flagship will come, and the retros will burn him to death, and then Millicom will be destroyed, including the genies that could save his buddies. Oh, it's all bad. Okay, then. Next time on Rogue Trooper, in the heat of the night. Yeah. All right, I'm, I'm, I'm following along. This is getting interesting. Yeah, I, I thought there was some... Insight. 
decent fighting in here, like desert stuff. Um, I really liked the uh, the camel guys. Those guys were cool. The dragon guys were decent. Just good stuff mm-hmm. here, you know. And I love this That's just, um, like, stake to the ground as a spaceship comes to burn you alive. That's decent as well. That That's a good cliffhanger situation. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, speaking of terrifying transitions, Fox, which I is uh, my my stock and trade, it's <laughs> Thrill Seven Nemesis the Warlock. Oh man, you're just like really, you're really uh, making I, us wait for the best part of this comic, aren't you? I mean, you? you know, I try to do them in order, and then uh, like my my if. In, in, in case no one's figured it out, I sort of do them in order as they appear if you start in, in the first prog of the episode and then just go through thrill by thrill. And then I put all the future shocks in the back because screw those guys. Um, yep. So that means that this, a, one, a one-parter in the final issue has to be the last thing. And it's worth beautiful. worth waiting for. Script robot Pat Mills, art robot Kev O'Neill returning, letting robot Steve Potter. It looks beautiful. Yeah, Kev O'Neill is back for crazy nemesis action. We get to see some just like regular humans and termite, basically, as they're being hassled by the uh, purity police of the Terminators, getting entrapped by sexy lady officers and stuff. <laughs> it's, you know, it's Judge Dredd, but with pointier helmets, essentially. Like, it's not a huge difference. And less clothing, I guess. It's true, yeah. Possibly less clothing. Uh, Henry Spruttenberg is always able to get past these checks safely, though, because he is a man without ambition, spirit, or drive. The man without an ego. He's the perfect, vigilant, pure, behavior, behaving dude. Yeah, definitely. He works in the Ministry of Death, cataloging those few deaths uh, by natural causes in a termite. His, Which I guess is the most boring of the jobs. I think it, yeah, th- th- there's just not that many, and then other people are dealing with like uh, you know like oh this guy was killed by a by a ravaging uh, tooth beast or something. So it's like you know just awesome. not as fun. Exactly. Um, his uh, his wife is a hen pecking shrew naturally, um, and he just does this thing where he kind of uh, agrees to her demands and then doesn't act on them and does the same thing with people at his work and stuff like that. He's just yeah. kind of getting by, not making waves, staying out of trouble seems all right yeah it's i mean you know it's it's a dead empty existence but still a continued existence at least until nemesis the warlock appears Ooh man he's getting shot it up yeah he's escaping from a daring mission and has been wounded and this is apparently back in like the terror tube days basically because Mm. torquemada seems to just be a regular human at this point um, Nemesis escapes though, and to loop, uh, send his pursuers off the trail, he possesses the body of Henry. Oh, oh man, doesn't seem like a great thing for that dude. No way. Although it's interesting because we do see him like show some signs of life with Nemesis within him. Whether he's like he just tells his wife to shut up, basically. <laughs> like, yes. Though it's funny that after that he then apologizes to her as they put on their like a. Uh, uh, lead suit, like a uh, dealing with nuclear material suit, uh, pajamas, and uh-huh. sleep in their incredibly far apart twin beds. <laughs> it's that awesome. Really, just seems like a horrible existence. Yeah, bad times, especially when Torquemada and his troops burst in the door and attack Henry's wife as Henry himself starts to change. 
Oh my god, and how gross that change really is. Yeah, it's time for some just terrifying body horror here as Nemesis is reborn inside the body of Henry. He just sort of, uh. he like, he, like, Henry basically morphs like, I'm gonna say 90% into Nemesis, like, not all the way. And. Uh. We see, like, you know, so Nemesis, like, escapes, but you see that, like, he's still got, like, like uh, toes coming off part of his hooves and uh, stuff like that. It's real gross um, and just real terrifying, honestly. Yes. Um, Nemesis escapes, breathing fire, and eventually he leaves bo- uh, Henry's body just to regenerate. Um, Henry faces Torquemada's wrath, and the final image of this story is the ruined remains of Henry's body. He's been all he's all stretched out and baggy from the transformation to Warlock, and it's just super gross. Like it's really just like a kill me. Uh, yeah, because he's situation. like like his head's all like stretch. His face is all stretched out from where Nemesis' nose was and stuff. He just looks like uh, you know the ruined remains, like when a uh, like like if I tried to put on like a, a size small T shirt, you know, just be like stretched and ripped and in in uh, unfixable ways, basically. <laughs> I gotta say, like, only the terribleness of the Terminators at the start of this story makes Nemesis not seem like a monster. Yeah, <laughs> like kind a of. really terrible guy in the course of this story, you know? And it doesn't I even mean, do a, do the full job there, you're right. Like, he still seems like, oh my god, Nemesis, like, this is, like, not a cool, this is not a good look for you. <laughs> no, he literally jumps inside of a guy and gets written inside of him. Yeah, I mean... I guess Nemesis never said that he was on the side of humans, too. He's just on the side of aliens, but still, you know. Yeah. Not winning hearts and minds. This poor guy. Yeah, seriously. And speaking of uh, terrible evils, Fox. Oh, I'm going to take a small nap. That's fair. It's Thrill 8 Future Shocks. Pigman's Planet. Mm. Yeah. There's two future shocks this episode, um, and this oh, is our first. God, that's right. Yeah, and this is our first thrill eight in a episode that's not like a special or an annual since episode forty eight, which is when the first Nemesis one shot was, wow. like almost a hundred episodes ago. It's ridiculous. Oh. Um. Anyway, first story: Judge Grexnix, a script uh, robot yeah. o- Ola Stepanuk. Art robot, Anthony Joswiak, letting robot, Gordon Robson is Kid Robson. That's fine. I feel like we, like, if there's one thing I feel like we've done a disservice in our coverage of 2000 AD Fox, and it's only a minor thing because we're awesome, no one, you know, <laughs> never forget. It's that, I know we're awesome. Yeah, it's, it's that we maybe haven't done enough to really kind of make use of the Beetlejuice in like vocabulary that we've been given by Tharg, you know? Man, I ain't Beetlejuicy and I mean fair. I mean we say, you know, we we got we got the Borag Thung, we got the Splundigberth rig. I guess the 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 notes. Yeah, I mean the final part would be like calling jerk would be like saying things that are good are Zarjaz and things that are, you know, and people that are bad are Grexnixes. But Okay. Honestly I feel like if we if we actually like did that and said like oh man like Nemesis was really Zarjaz this week like it would be lame. Yeah, so, yeah like... I'm I'm gonna come out and say it right now. I am not a 
I'm not, I'm not like, uh, you know, uh, praise beats the mighty one, etc. But like, I'm just, I'm not going to emulate you that hard. Yeah, no, I, that's, I feel like that's 100% fair. Um, I just, I just mentioned it just because occasionally you have something like this, like Judge Grexnick's, where it uses that term, and I worry that some people might not know what that is. But anyhow. It means right. a, it means a jerk or a loser. Um, and in this case, Carl you get that feeling either way. Yeah. <laughs> Carl Coogan has a sweet haircut and a bunch of rock posters and anti anti thar graffiti in his room, as well as a mm. bunch of 2000 AD progs. Despite thinking that Judge Dredd is lame and only gets by on his high tech gear, uh, this sort of thought crime brings forth Thar Mighty. <laughs> <laughs> wow! Put you Co- start working on your double thing. That's right. Listen, like this is gonna be a double plus good episode. Um, <laughs> but um, this brings forth Tharg, who basically sends him to Mega City One to see how he could do. Uh, he sends him there in a uh, judge in uh, with, with Judge Gear as Judge Greek uh, Grexnix, and Coogan is you know feeling pretty good about his chances until he's trampled by a crowd of fatties, loses uh. his bike by starting it before he's aboard it. Not mm. properly setting his feet before firing his lawgiver, and then just getting beaten up by a bunch of mutants right, for, for not projecting enough authority. He <sighs> begs Tharg to send him back, and Tharg does so, saying that it's harder to be a judge than you think. Now get out of here, Grexnix. So, I mean, what was the lesson here? Like, don't badmouth my comic? Yeah, like two, like uh, 2000 AD is good, and you should respect Judge Dredd, I guess. Oh, man, so I guess just blindly respect authority? I mean, honestly, I wouldn't say it's blind. Like, I feel like I know why you respect Judge Dredd, and it's mostly that he can, like, you know, send you to jail for minimal reasons and possibly shoot you. Like, you know. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, there's violence inherent in the system, Fox. Absolutely. <laughs> um as we all know you know i mean once you're willing to accept that justice flows from the barrel of a lawgiver it's easy to see why judge dread is able to uh to dispense it so ably you know oh my god (laughs) jesus commie pinko conrad Leiden. anyhow uh, (laughs) our uh our second uh Future Shock is The Edge of Forever. Script robot Alan Hebden, uh, art robot Jesus Redondo, letter robot Gordon Robson, and this one is a seven-pager. Oh, my God. Uh, it, it just does all the things that make me want to just put this at the bottom. Uh, I can't, or I won't, but, man, it's pissing me off. I hear you. Yeah. Um, so it's the 27th century. There's a colony... On the planet, on a pigment's planet, deep in the galactic rim, things are simple there, though that might change as an alien armada approaches. Meanwhile, Wayne Hall, an enquiry agent, which is a British private eye, has an appointment with a rich guy who wants to know why he can't send his ships to pigment's planet, so go find out. Hall goes to all the government agencies who give him the runaround. In the end, he heads out to the planet himself, a six-week trip that he's all alone for, just drinking with a, with a robot barkeep. He, uh, When he arrives, his entry is refused, but he's picked up by Colonel Klein from the Galactic Defense Agency, who gives him a Conquistador-style space hat and explains that Pigman's world is the galaxy's greatest uh, defense against alien invasion. Basically, the people here are psychic mirrors, and when an invasion fleet nears, they reflect the, the invaders' evil thoughts back on them, which destroys all the aliens. Only the space helmets that they're wearing protect Hall and the Colonel. Of course, the colonists here can't leave the planet, so instead they're forced to just live simple happy lives as the guardians of the galaxy but not the ones that you're thinking of okay great yep uh and that's why everybody has to meet their art deadlines or else we're stuck with this bam, bam, bam. <laughs> <laughs> oh 
What a twist. <laughs> I mean, this one really feels like um like Fabry was late with the with the new slain, and so they just had to scramble, just get something on here. Yeah. This one is filler tastic. Like it opens with a full page with like no two pages of like the peoples of Pigman's world wanting to go to the, the uh go to like space Hollywood and then the aliens inv- starting to invade and none of it was necessary for the story. We don't meet these characters again. Yeah. Um there's a lot of like humor humor like quote unquote humor beats in this story that They're are also there the to fill these yeah like the inquiry agent like falls in the rich guy's like a uh, bathtub slash a hot tub a lot of stuff with him being in space a lot of running around and stuff like there's literally a panel where he's like hey like i think i should just fly to pigman's world and the rich man and the rich guy's like well then go what am i paying you for and it's like okay well like if it's not going to be a plot thing then why even have it here except just to take up the panel you know it's just dude i just i hated all of it and i hated every single thing about it and i read all of it and it's just yeah and like the fact that they're it's just that like they're the guardians of the galaxy just feels like i wish there was a better um pun or yeah punchline like even if it had just been like the only thing that uh keeps them under control and not taking over the galaxy themselves is their regular shipment of 2000 ad or something yeah. like that like that's <laughs> like that would have like that would have been lame but it would have been something you know what i mean <laughs> it wouldn't have just been i guess that like the joke is they're simple people but they're not so simple they're psychic and it's like uh, all right i mean nothing yeah no mine was not blown totally um anyhow with that on that whimper as we come to another end fox <laughs> <laughs> we've at last made it we finished pro- our coverage of Prague 427 to 430 for uh, July and August of 1985. And that means that we're at the uh, final time, the final chance to ask you this question about these products, oh, which yeah. is, what were your top and bottom thrills? Oh, dude, top is so easy. That's going straight to Judge Dredd, man. Midnight Surfer is dope. Mm. I fucking loved it. I loved every single action-packed part of it, but more than anything... Uh, getting a little choked up uh, when uh, when Yoji yeah when Yoji uh, died basically when, yeah yeah when when Yogi when died when, yeah, and then Chopper was taken away yeah and then like he dies anyway and it's like oh man and then all these people are cheering it was fucking great it was fantastic Judge Dredd I, I loved it definitely I was, like just turning page really quick trying to see what's happening next and so much like just really good. Uh, surfing action, you know? Totally, yeah. I love the sky surfing. It's really visceral, and, and Cam Kennedy does a really good job drawing it, for sure. And so many people died, even before so, the judges got involved. Absolutely. Yeah, totally. Okay, so what's your bottom? That's the question I think everybody wants to know. Uh, it's hard, man. Like, fucking, I know it's not Strong Team Dog, and it's probably not Slain. So, I mean, just by de facto... Uh, it was around. I'm gonna throw it in Road Trooper. It wasn't horrible though. Like I enjoyed reading that a lot more than some things I could fucking change. <laughs> Jesus. Um, but you know, sticking, trying to stick to my guns on this one. If I'm gonna, if I'm gonna put one at the bottom. It's probably not Ace Garp. That one's starting pretty funny. Mm-hmm. Road Trooper. It's it's getting more interesting, but it's more the same. Mm. But I'll I will put a little special asterisk there to say, you know. Um, if there's ever going to be a cousin to the centaur, it would be 
uh, definitely a uh, a camel man. Camel tar. Camel tar. Oh fuck yeah. Camel. Honestly, camel tar sounds like some sort of weird like uh, internet insult. I'm not gonna lie to you. <laughs> Like, oh. <laughs> look at these camel oh, tires like that's not good oh, that doesn't make me feel good it does, doesn't sound right you know it, it hits the yeah. ear as something a jerk would say <laughs> well my man uh i've got to ask you now what were your top ones? oh man this was a great month um anderson was really great uh mm. you know strong team dog awesome as always this nemesis story was real fun just sort of hopping in to be real gross and have some really <laughs> arresting, terrifying images that 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 are going to stick with me for a while. Um, I really love this Ace Trucking story. It's really funny and just like um, again, just the matter of fact way that like blood deals with the dying Ace Garp yes. is really cracking me up. Um, they're they're death bros, as you said. Yeah, total death bros. Um, <laughs> but um, and uh, and and Slain had some real good uh, Orgot fighting. That was really great. Um, some tantric fighting always um and so but man my top has got to be judge dread um because this midnight surfer story is, is like one of my favorite stories of all time and it's some of my favorite art it has like yeah. my favorite art of all time like no qualifications so there it's, we go man it's gotta be top i love it so much um just always and forever whenever there's a sky surfing story and dread i'm like it always perks me up and it's something i'm interested Ooh, in more than one we're gonna see a lot we're, we're, we're gonna see quite a bit more of this um, both in dread and in the pages of the dread of the judge dread magazine sort of cool. in, in the 90s and stuff um for my bottom, hmm, like I I liked Rogue Trooper this month. I thought it was pretty fun. Yeah. Um, I just liked yeah, like the desert fighting was good, and I like the total uh, mad you know evil genius end of it. And you know I feel like it's not deserving of a, of a bottom. What is deserving of of the bottom oh, is the goddamn future shocks for this month. Screw oh, that. God, just smack. Like this we, is so horrible. And I mean we we aren't in a future shock rich period of the comic you know like there's mm. points where when, when when we maybe have like one future shock per prog or something where i'm a little bit lighter on them especially when they're only like you know two or three pages or something they're just kind of there to fill space yeah. like when you do a seven pager that means that i gotta yeah. take it seriously and on yeah. its face like you know i i love jesus redondo's art and i've been, really liked alan hebden's writing in the past but this was just not a good story. It just feels no. full of filler and all these extra beats that don't have to be there besides to take up space. And then, like, there's not even, like, a pun at the end, I guess. <laughs> like, yeah. You do all that, and I gotta, like, and I, and I don't even get to, like, do a legitimate air horn. I gotta, like, make a joke air horn at the end. Like, mm. this, we can do better than this, you know? And this we're is... doing all the legwork here. You gotta give us... Yeah, I mean, there's so much... In that, it's again, it's a seven-page story, so it's not like they just had like a page, so they just do a throwaway joke. Like, there's time, there's space in here to do real stuff, you know, <laughs> to develop a, a punchline, yeah, or something. I mean, even there was like that one future shock a long time ago that was a long one, but about this guy like sacrificing himself for like the people of his planet and stuff, and that was like a decent, that, that that was a decent story that was really like you know had some emotion in it and stuff, and it was a long future shock that sort of justified its length, you know. Like, this is worse than that one where, I think it was an Alan Moore one, where these guys were just traveling through the galaxy, dealing with a ton of um, monsters and complications just to deliver 2000 AD to a, to a, to a planet, you know? This one's just like, well, what is what is it? Like, it doesn't, it's, there's not even a point to it. 
and I'm real angry about it, apparently. But yeah. Like, I mean, I was fucking pissed. I was like, God, I have to read all of this? Like, this, specifically this Pigman's Planet, uh, Future Shock, no good. Get out of here. Like, I, I yes. award you no prize. Good day. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. everlasting gobstopper. That's right. Yeah, no. Good, yeah, again, good day. <laughs> Anyhow. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. Now leave. I hope everybody no enjoyed. Glass elevator. <laughs> no, listen, man. You're one of the like. I I get some Oompa Loompas out to like sing you a, a song about not living up to your potential and being better <laughs> as like an attempt at narrative. You know. Wow. Like, what do you get when your story is flat? It just makes Conrad want to hit you with a bat. Anyhow. Um, <laughs> I hope everybody enjoyed the show. As always, you can find Space Spinner 2000 on iTunes, Stitcher, the Google Play Store, Spotify, or our podcast site at spacespinner2000.com. Feel free to contact us at spacespinner2000 at gmail.com on the 2080 forums or our Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter pages on Twitter. We're at spacespinner2k. For everything else, look up Space Spinner 2000, and we should be there. And then come back as we gear up for the big fall relaunch. Ooh. Yeah, but be, that's in two episodes time, Fox. Before then, we got to clear the decks. All stories must end. We'll get oh con- conclusions in Slain, Strontium Dog, Ace Trucking, and this Nosferatu's... Write his name in blood! ...storyline. The finalities of these endings will vary wildly. Be there! <laughs> <laughs> wow. Alright. It's gonna be good. No, it's just, you know, we're getting to the end of it. I'm I'm really excited for a bunch of these to kind of reach, you know, vague stopping points, you know. Slain's gonna get to a yeah. stopping point that's gonna lead us into Slain in the fall when again we start playing D and D in Slain, and I'm just so excited for it. I can't stop oh, talking about it. Great. I'm really stoked. Until then, I'm Conrad, he's Fox, and we are Space Spinner two thousand. Splendid big Write his name in blood! <laughs>